0: Well, do keep your Bibles open at uh, Acts chapter 27 as we come to have more of a look at it. And uh, let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word in Acts. Thank you for the chance that we've had to be looking at it over these past weeks. And pray that this morning you would be speaking to us through your word, showing us how to live in accordance with your will. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, it was way back at the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And really, the rest of the book of Acts has been uh, us seeing the unfolding of what Jesus said would happen. In the second half of Acts, we followed Paul on three separate missionary journeys, Uh, And in the last few chapters, he's been back in Israel and under arrest. Uh, You might remember if you've been with us that over the last five chapters, he's had to defend himself five times. Acts 26 finished last week uh, after Paul had defended himself before governor Festus and King Agrippa, with Agrippa saying to Festus, um, says in verse 32, Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free If he had not appealed to Caesar, I don't know what you thought uh, when that happened. Perhaps you thought, thought, oh, Paul, why did you appeal to Caesar? Uh, If you hadn't, you could have gone free. But now you're going to have to go to Rome and stand trial again before Caesar. That would have been an understandable reaction. But actually, if we take a closer look, we see that that's what had to happen. Just a few chapters earlier in Acts 23, after Paul had spoken before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem and was in prison, it says this in verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. Paul had to go to Rome. It wasn't an unfortunate mistake. It was God's plan for the spread of the gospel. Having been on his three missionary journeys, uh, Paul was now going to testify at the very heart of the empire in Rome, in what was the most powerful city in the whole world at the time. We've been seeing it all along in the book of Acts, but here it becomes incredibly clear in Acts chapter 27 that nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. Nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus said to him, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church has been established by Jesus, and it will not be overcome. It will continue to do its work of spreading the gospel. It won't be overcome by the world, or the devil, or anything else for that matter the spread of the gospel, the advance of God's kingdom, will go on. We can be sure it will, because Jesus says that it will. And the one who said that it would has since died and risen again and ascended into heaven, and he is now sat at God's right hand, uh, and he is in charge of everything. So what he says will happen, will happen. That said, uh, as we might know all too well, it certainly doesn't always look that way from a human perspective and not for the first time uh, at the outset of Acts, Paul's about to learn that the hard way. He's off to Rome by ship and uh, Luke is there with him. Luke reverts to writing in the first person again here. You see in uh, verse one, he says, we, uh, so Luke was writing from firsthand experience when he wrote about what was about to happen. The journey seems to start off well. Julius, the centurion, uh, seems to have taken a liking to Paul. He's kind to him. He lets him go and stay with friends uh, at their first stop in Sidon. Leaving Sidon, they sail up around the top of Cyprus and dock at Myra on what's now the south coast of Turkey. And there they change uh, ships for a ship that was on its way from Egypt to Italy, uh, probably taking grain, Um, and things start to go downhill from there. They continue uh, along the coast, to Cnidus, but not without difficulty, because the wind was against them. And uh, it was against them to the point that they couldn't take the route that they wanted to take, and instead had to go around down um, the bottom of Crete along its south coast and stopped at a place called Fair Havens. And at this point, Paul stepped in. It was getting towards the time of year when all sea travel stopped on the Mediterranean for the winter because it was just too uh, dangerous to travel. And Paul would have known that because of the uh, many sea voyages he had already taken on his previous journeys. And at this point, he stepped in and said, look, guys, it's too dangerous to continue. If we continue, we risk losing the ship and the cargo and our very lives, in fact. But Paul's wisdom did not out on this occasion. The pilot and the owner of the ship disagreed with him, and they were listened to. The decision was made to make for a port further along the south coast of Crete and to spend the winter there. And as they set out, they thought their luck had changed because they had a nice uh, gentle south wind blowing to help them along. But as they made their way along the coast, that nice gentle wind turned into a hurricane force wind It made it impossible for them to reach Phoenix, which is where they were headed. In fact, it made it impossible for them to do anything but let this massive storm drive them along uh, before it. And it wasn't a short-lived storm either. It went for days and days, blocking out the sun during the day and blocking out the stars at night. And those on board the ship did six things um, as the storm continued. They, they bought the lifeboat on board, very sensible. So they didn't fill up with water and, and drag on them. They, uh, they put ropes, uh, they fed ropes underneath the, the ship and then tied them up to try and hold the ship together, uh, as it was battered by the storm. They, they dropped the sea anchor in order to slow their progress because they were scared that they would drift too far south and, uh, run aground on sandbanks. They threw the, the cargo overboard, and eventually they threw as much of the ship's tack overboard as they could. And after doing five the, those five things, they did a sixth thing. They gave up hope of ever being saved. You can see how it would have been easy to do that, can't you? You're in a ship being tossed about on sea in darkness day and night for two weeks with no sign of it letting up. It would have been impossible to dry anything. There would have been constant violent motion, uh, constant fear that the next big wave would be the last one, would be the one to finally sink the ship. It would be so easy to lose the ability to uh, see beyond the present situation and to utterly lose hope. It's really easy to lose perspective in difficult situations, to be unable to see beyond it, and to lose hope of them ever changing. But Paul does not give up hope. He gets up to address those on board. He starts with what seems to me to be a little bit of a low blow, uh, given the situation, but each to their own, I suppose. He says, guys, I told you so. If you'd listened to me back at Fair Havens, we would not be in this mess. But he doesn't leave it there. He goes on to tell the hopeless occupants of the ship to take courage. And he lets them in on the fact that the previous night, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him what he actually already knew from what God had said to him in Jerusalem, that he had to go to Rome and stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, uh, the angel also promised that not only Paul would survive this journey, everyone on the ship would survive along with him. Despite the seeming hopelessness of the situation, there was still hope to be had. God promised that though the ship would not survive, the people on board would. Uh, If you thought you could take a breath now and relax with that information, uh, then not so fast. After 14 days and nights uh, of this storm, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. Uh, And as they did that, they decided that they were going to make a break for it in the lifeboat, leaving the soldiers and the prisoners uh, on the ship to fend for themselves. Paul was onto them though and said to the centurion, if these guys get away, then you can't be saved. And the soldiers leapt into action, cutting the ropes that held the lifeboat and letting the lifeboat drift away. Paul seems uh, not to hold a grudge against the sailors at this point because he then goes on to ensure that everyone's had something to eat, uh, something that they've not had the chance to do for days and days and days because of the storm. Uh, but he makes sure that they have something to eat uh, making sure that they have energy for what's to come. The sailors were wrong to try and make a break for it, but they weren't wrong that they were approaching land. After 14 days and nights of the storm, the sun rose uh, to show them that they were near land and uh, near a harbour. And making for it, though, they got stuck on a sandbank. And now, as the soldiers, uh, it was the soldiers' turn now to try and endanger Paul's lives. Uh, Paul's life because the soldiers made the decision to kill the prisoners that were on the ship in order uh, to ensure that they wouldn't try and uh, escape as they tried to make it to land. They knew as Roman soldiers that if they let any of their prisoners escape, they would be facing the same punishment that the prisoners were facing. Thankfully, our friendly centurion, Julius, wanted to spare Paul's life, so he stopped the soldiers from doing this. And he ordered that everyone who could swim should jump overboard and swim for land, and that those who couldn't uh, should float there on bits of broken up ship. And so what the angel told Paul uh, would happen, did happen. Everyone on the ship was saved, uh, no one was lost. Just when it seemed, though, like all the danger was over, um, they were They were on land finally. The locals were being friendly. Uh, They were helping them make a fire because it was raining and cold and wet. Just when it looks like things are turning up, Paul grabs a pile of uh, brushwood to throw on the fire and a viper is driven out of the wood by the heat and attaches itself to Paul's hand. The islanders were shocked They thought that Paul really must have had it coming to him because even though he had escaped from the sea, he had now uh, been attacked by a snake. Uh, They thought that he was under the judgment of the goddess of justice. Uh, But then when Paul shook the snake off into the fire and seemed to suffer no ill effects, they were even more amazed. And they thought that instead of being punished by a god, he must be a god himself. They weren't too far out of the right ballpark because though Paul was not God, it was God who was carrying out his plan to spread the gospel in ensuring that Paul survived all these things that were happening to him, ensuring that he would get to Rome uh, to testify about the gospel there. In this one chapter and a bit, Paul faces five threats uh, to his life. And wonderfully, they all begin with S. Didn't even need to work to try and make them do so. I was very, very happy when I realized it. Uh, here they are. The, the storm, 14 days and nights of hurricane-forced wind at sea. The, the sailors who tried to abandon ship, uh, leaving Paul and everyone else on board to die. The soldiers who wanted to kill the prisoners to try and stop them from escaping. The shipwreck, shipwreck always dangerous. And finally, as if there hadn't been enough already to top it all off, the snake. It seems slightly absurd to survive all of those things one after the other, but nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. God had said to Paul, uh, God had said that Paul would go to Rome. He's in control. So to Rome, Paul would go. Well, some of the big, seemingly all-consuming things we're facing today, humanly speaking, seem like they could be barriers uh, to the spread of the gospel and to the advance of God's kingdom. There's uh, coronavirus. It's effectively shut down society. We can't physically meet together as a church, even though we're told in the Bible to not stop meeting together. The verse that goes with our vision of helping people come home to God is Luke chapter 14, verse 23, which says, Then the master told his servants, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. We can't even go out uh, at the moment, let alone compel other people to come in. Our mission partner, uh, Compassion, haven't been able to operate uh, their usual uh, the, in their usual way of delivering their programs uh, around the world to sponsor children uh, centrally at their projects on a Saturday. Then there's the growing acknowledgement of racism in our society, something that has of course been all too apparent to those who have been the victims of racism since the beginning. The Book of Revelation tells us that the citizenship of heaven will be made up of people from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before Jesus together. Ephesians tells us that what Jesus has done has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between uh, different people groups. So surely racism is something that hinders the spread of the gospel and stops the advance of God's kingdom. These seem like huge things, and there's a very good reason that they seem like huge things. Uh, It's because they are huge things, aren't they? But they aren't so big that they can change the truth that God is in control and nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. So how are we to respond? Well, uh, we can take a leaf out of Paul's book. He responds in two ways. He took hope and he took action. It's been said of Paul that he was a man of God and of action, a man of the spirit and of common sense. We see that in this chapter as Paul takes hope and takes action. He takes hope. Despite the desperate situation he's in, facing death at the hands of uh, a storm, soldiers, sailors, a shipwreck and a snake. And unlike the others he is with, he does not give up hope. He has hope that he will uh, get through it because God has told him that he would have to go to Rome and testify to the gospel there and he knows that the one who made that promise is also the one who is in control always in every situation so he took hope in the situation that he was in because of God's promises but notice that notice what his hope doesn't lead to it doesn't lead to inaction when they were at fair havens and it was clear to paul given his uh his Uh, given the time of year and his seafaring experience, uh, that it was a really bad idea to carry on, he doesn't sit back and say, oh, well, God's in control. I'll get through this. No, he says, guys, this is a really bad idea. Let's not do that. When the sailors are making a break for it, he didn't say, no one's going to be able to sail the ship if these guys get away, but God's got this. No, he went and alerted the centurion. When they were near land, he didn't think no one's eaten in a fortnight and we're all going to uh, have difficulty swimming to land, but don't worry, God's in control. No, he said, let's all get some food in us and get ready to go. Paul's hope was in God. He knew he was in control, but that didn't make him inactive. He used his common sense and he took action, doing his part to ensure the continued spread of the gospel and the advance of God's kingdom, even as he knew that God was the one who would ultimately accomplish it. We too, no matter the situation that we're in, can take hope and take action. As he was when Paul was uh, stuck in the storm, Jesus is still on the throne. As he was when was when Paul was stuck in the storm, God is still in control. There is still nothing, that can stop the spread of the gospel or the advance of God's kingdom. Because of that, we can take hope. We can have confidence that God is in control in every situation, even when we can't, for the life of us, understand what he's doing in that situation. But like Paul, our hope in God shouldn't make us inactive in the here and now. It's why we are meeting virtually as a church, when we can't meet physically. It's why we're running Alpha online and uh, and we'll do so again. Uh, it's why where Possible Compassion is delivering their program uh, one-to-one with children at their homes and using WhatsApp to check in pastorally and why they've launched a specific COVID fundraising campaign. It's why we had an evening listening to members of our church family from ethnic minorities last Tuesday. Like Paul, We are to be people of God and of action, people of the spirit and of common sense. Paul was promised that he would reach Rome. Unlike him, we've not been told, we've not been promised by God that we will not be harmed by viruses or diseases, or that we'll live to see the eradication of racism from our society. And actually, even Paul himself was martyred after he'd gotten to Rome as God promised that he would. But for as long as we have, we're called to act in a godly way within the situation we find ourselves in, even as we have hope that God is ultimately in control. And we can have assurance as we do that, that God will use us to bring about the spread of the gospel and the advance of his kingdom. Secure in the knowledge that those things will ultimately be brought about by God when Jesus returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, that Jesus is on the throne. Thank you that you are in control. Thank you for the hope that we can have in every situation in light of that truth. Please would you uh, work in us by your spirit to uh, bolster uh, that hope, to build up our hope uh, so that we will not be tempted uh, to give up hope when facing difficulty, but will cling on to hope in you. And Heavenly Father, help us to take godly action in the situations we find ourselves in. Help us to be hopeful, uh, but also to act. Give us wisdom to know how we can act. And Lord, help us to act in a way uh, that furthers the spread of the gospel. Thank you that we can have uh, full assurance that nothing can stop the spread of the gospel or the advance of your kingdom. Help us to play our part in doing those things. In Jesus' name, amen.